what is up everybody um you know kind of kind of the intro is going to be a little bit different we did the normal pod with myself brett and jacob uh earlier today um a lot of good stuff in there i think you guys are going to really like it but we also are brett and i are going to jump on here and we'll see where this goes but we're going to talk about game six um it was a ass whooping um a very uh anticlimactic so brett and i are going to chat about it so uh you know i'm going to bring brett in right now Brett, uh, what did you what did you think? Uh, I think kind of in my intro, I mean, I think you can kind of tell by my mood. Like I was really hoping we were going to get a a really good game, and uh, I think we got the opposite of that. Yep, anticlimactic is the right way to describe it. Um, it's funny; it only ended up being a, I think, like a thirteen point game. Yeah, I saw that. I saw uh, but... I, I Miami outscored them thirty five to nineteen, but I'm going to get yeah. a lot of that. It's a little garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage for sure, man. I think uh, the Lakers had it up to 36, I think, midway through the third quarter. I think at the halftime, it was like 28. So, yeah, it was an absolute ass whooping, like you said. Uh, it's and it, it's a bummer because, I mean, look, well, it's not a bummer. Look, you got to be happy for the Lakers uh, and the Lakers fans and everything. And that's just the way it went. But, yeah, a little bit of a downer, I guess, after games three, four, and five were all so heated and so competitive and and just so awesome to watch. And then, like, <laughs> I mean, on the segment of the podcast that we recorded earlier today, I said that this so far has been one of the five best finals of the last 20 years. Like, it had been that good leading up to game six. And then this obviously dra- <laughs> this obviously drags it down a bit. It's not it's not going to be in the top five anymore. I might even edit that little take out that I had because it sounds it sounds stupid now, but it's amazing how much stuff it can change with with one game. It's so that that's a little bit disappointing. I wish it had, had at least been a close one, but I'm definitely I'm not surprised that that the Lakers took it. Um, no, me me neither, man. And you know, LeBron was he was phenomenal. His his phenomenal self again. You know, he had he played forty one minutes. He was thirteen for twenty. He had fourteen rebounds and ten assists, twenty eight points. You know, just a standard triple double. You know, Anthony Davis kind of did his thing. Um, KCP, yeah. you know he you know clutch. Uh, he he played good this entire series. And you know, uh, you you got to say it, man. Playoff Rondo uh, showed up once again. Um, I know he kind of struggled in. Uh, know games three three four and five but game six you know 30 minutes 19 points like like i said man and i watched the first half a lot and then i started i started kind of jumping around a little bit because i mean like eh, that game was over i mean it was one of those games where i didn't think uh you know jimmy butler or miami had it in them but uh we we talked about it earlier it's funny you know um tyler hero three for ten uh duncan robinson three for eight uh you know those guys we we said you know, before the game that those guys were going to be the ones that had to have, you know, they had to play just like they did, if not better in game five. And, and, and they didn't. And, you know, had, like you said, man, hats off to the Lakers. Um, They were, this was an extraordinary set of circumstances. I'm not, uh, you'll hear it later on in the pod of kind of my thoughts on where this, this championship ranks, but I, I you know, we can't hold it against the Lakers at all because every team was in this bubble and, you know, they survived, you know, they, they absolutely 1000% deserve to win. There's, there's no, there's no asterisk in my book with this. No, I, I agree, man. I think, I think we all agree on that. I'm a little bit bummed that it's over. Uh, it was a really wild ride, you know, just jam packed couple of months of basketballs, especially after not having it for so long. It was just, it was just the best thing, man. Like I, I love the bubble so much. I'll always have such fond memories of the bubble, you know, I know I needed it. I think all basketball fans 
needed it. And just big props to the NBA for pulling it off. It really, it was an amazing thing. Like just seeing it all come together and seeing Adam Silver kind of talking about it. And when he said that 6,500 people that worked in the bubble, I was like, God damn, like that's a lot of, it took a lot, man. And you talk about this later in the pod. I know about the money that it took and just the whole effort. It was, was just fantastic. And I I mean, I'm really happy with how it came together. Uh, As far as the Lakers, just I don't have much to say about the game, <laughs> but uh, you know, like I, I really don't. But but I will say that, uh, and I I've been clamoring for this. I talked about it on the podcast. I posted about it a couple times in the Facebook group. Like they need to take Dwight Howard out of that starting lineup. It just doesn't work with him in AD. It enables Miami to pack the paint too much when he's in there, and AD kind of gets bogged down a little bit. So today they finally did that. Uh, they put in Caruso instead of Dwight into the starting five, and I think the difference was noticeable i mean right off the bat they just looked faster they just looked better defensively Dwight uh, Howard played had, one, he played one minute tonight too he hit a three-pointer he did he did he, <laughs> he did. pulled a three but uh yeah so i, I that's kind of i've really been calling for that all series and I, they just, it just didn't make sense to have him out there alongside ad against this heat team um the heat don't have a ton of size they don't play that way you know they're more of a perimeter oriented team so i just ne- that never made sense to me and uh, I wish they had done it sooner. The Lakers fan in me at least wishes that, but I'm glad they did it tonight, and and it definitely paid off. That lineup looked a lot better. It got out of hand pretty early. The Heat just kind of lost their magic, man. They just lost that fight. They lost that fire. Uh, Bam put up a good stat line, but nobody on the Heat played well. I wouldn't say that Bam played well at all. I don't think any of them really did. My other impression of this game Obviously, the big news before tip-off was that Dragic was active. And um, I don't know why they played him so much in the second half. Like, they were down, like I said, 36, like midway through the third. And at that point, I was like, get him out of there. And uh, and they kept him in for the rest of the third. And then, like, I think even, like, the first half of the fourth quarter, like, I think they played him at least 10 or 12 minutes straight. And the guy, obviously, he didn't look right. Like, you could tell that he wasn't flexing that bad foot at all it was just kind of stiff maybe he had some kind of brace or orthotic on there I'm not sure but uh either way man like I, you know I, I think he was risking injury by being out there risking making it a lot worse or like you know re-tearing it and um you know when they're down 30 it's like and he's you know he's about to get paid like he's he's a free agent so I, I can't believe that they had him out there I, I know that's probably what he wanted he's a tough dude I know he wanted to play but I just uh, that that was a little bit weird to me that they kept him in for so long. But, yeah, all the respect in the world to that guy, because I know he was probably in some pain and discomfort and and he went out there and gave it his all. So and he made a couple of really nice plays while he was out there. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't have a lot to say about the game. LeBron definitely did some stat padding at the end. Like, I think his his, you go back to like six minutes left in the fourth or something or eight minutes left in the fourth and his stat line didn't really look anything like it ended up looking, but um, it ended up looking pretty spectacular and it definitely sealed the deal on the finals MVP. That was kind of a foregone you know what, conclusion. You know what's crazy, man? And going back to that, that? Goran, going back to that Goran Dragic thing, like I was, uh, I was sitting on my couch, Mrs. Bucks and sick. I don't even know what she was doing, but I, Bunker was sitting next to me and I, and I so I got the alert that, that Goran Dragic was going to be active. And I looked at him, I was like, ah, I don't even know if they should play him, man. I mean, they were, they were playing tough without him. And anytime you bring somebody back into that, you know, I think it's kind of 50-50. It's kind of hit or miss. But 
I think it's irrelevant if he would have played or not. I, I thought Miami. I thought. I thought they just they left everything out there in Game Five. I mean, you, I think everyone has kind of seen that video of Jimmy Butler getting up from playing forty eight minutes or forty seven minutes. I mean, he was exhausted, and like I said, like you know, we we've talked about for the last since we knew this was going to be the matchup. You know, this is this is pickup basketball, and the Lakers have two really really good dudes. You know, they got two top five NBA players on their roster, and. I it was funny because we were we were talking before this before we were recording and I was like oh when do you want to record this like you know <laughs> when it's a blowout well you know when it's a blowout like this man there's like you know this game was over at halftime you know there's not what what more are we gonna say but you were like oh well hang on man I got to hear what LeBron's gonna say and then oh I, yeah I I quick flipped it and all I heard was. Uh, <laughs> He was saying, you know, this person wants respect, this person wants respect, and then he ends it with, uh, he said something long. What did he say? Like, put some respect on my goddamn name, or I want some some goddamn respect uh, to you or something. He was something like, the Lakers want their respect, like Rob Palenka wants his respect, and then he goes, then he says, and I want my damn respect too. Yeah, bro, you already got the respect. I'm uh, like, that is such a LeBron thing to say. I have to say, I'm just gonna come. I'm just gonna say it, man. I thought it was lame. I thought it was lame the way he said it. I thought it was super, super rehearsed, super contrived, like super calculated, super cheesy, just like on brand for LeBron in that sense. So for sure, like he's he, you know, it really was. Um, but I didn't, I didn't love that. The whole, I will say this, man, and I don't know how much of the ceremony you saw, but I thought the whole thing was really weird and awkward. Yeah, we um, knew that though, man. I mean, that you we know, did. We, yeah, without the fans, it was super weird. And that was exactly what you had sort of predicted on the the other segment. Like the fake crowd noise, I could deal with it during the games. Like I would kind of just forget, and it would just blend right in. But it felt super weird to me during the ceremony. And all of a sudden, it felt really fake. And then there just seemed to be like this disconnect between like whoever was talking and asking the questions, and then the players kind of behind them like Jeannie Buss was like talking about Kobe and like how I don't know she was talking about Kobe and the as she was talking about Kobe the camera like pans around the guys celebrating and it's just like Markeith Morris and Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith just straight up like clowning like laughing and punching each other and just totally clowning like while she's talking about Kobe it just seemed really weird and I was almost like can they hear what she's saying because like it should be like a solemn, serious moment, kind of. I mean, I know you're happy you won the title. I get that. And it's not like a sad moment, but it's like it didn't feel appropriate. And then even like when then when Rachel Nichols like just dropped the Kobe bomb on AD, who was already like super emotional and crying the whole time. And then she's just like, I know Kobe was like a big brother. It's like, damn. And and while he was trying to answer that question, they were like all fucking around and like hitting each other and like yelling shit. And I don't know. It just it all seemed very awkward and like even with ad like at the end just like knocking over the microphone as he got off the stage and like uh lebron trying to hand him the trophy and he couldn't tell that that's what lebron was trying to do like all these little things man it just it all felt very out of sync it was weird yeah. it really was a weird weird celebration i watched about half of it but th- none of that surprises me like yeah I, I don't know man i just yeah it was weird. I mean, but yeah. we, you knew you knew it was going to be, and I didn't. I didn't expect it to be that weird, but it really was. And I think you know, I think you're right. I think that just has I, a lot to do with I the just, fans not being there, but they're trying to like create that same energy, like as if the fans were there. And it, and you, but you know, they're they're in like a quiet, empty gym. 
but like they're trying to present it on television as if it's like this raucous, exciting moment. And somewhere in there, there's just a disconnect. And I think that manifested in this awkwardness I speak of. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm, I, we, again, like, I don't want to bore everybody with the details. Like it's, it's nothing bad that we really say, but you know, we do talk about Kobe in like the second half, like, you know, this whole, like, you know, in some respect, I get it. Like, I respect it. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be a be a hater on about it. But, you know, some of it's like, we did it for Kobe. We did it for Kobe. Like, it's, it's kind of like, man, like, I don't, they, I, I will say to their credit, like, they didn't really overdo that, in my opinion. I, I don't think I saw every second of it, but like, Jeannie mentioned him and Gianna. Yeah. And then, and then I don't think LeBron talked about it at all. And then, uh, and I could, I could be wrong on that, but you know, he's, you know, he's got to make it all about him. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, He kind of did it. I'll talk about that too in a second. But then, um, and then Rachel Nichols asked AD about Kobe, but he didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't as much Kobe as I expected there to be. I'm sure there will be in the coming days, you know, and I mean, that's, of course, it's understandable. Again, it is, we, but, we you, but the point, this, but. you know, the point that I'm making about it, why, why I say that, and I think you kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Kobe fan too. You know, we, as we, we've talked about this before, but like, I never looked at Kobe as like, you know, like, Hey, rah, 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 let's do it for Kobe. Like Kobe Bryant hated you. You know what I mean? Like he, like he, he, he was going to like, you know, like rip your heart out to beat you. Like if anybody, this isn't taking away from, from LeBron at all. Like I, I don't mean to like LeBron's just a different player. LeBron's top three player of all time, whether you have him at one, two or three, that's fine. But like, it, it, I don't know, man. Like I thought Jimmy Butler was more like Kobe than any, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just weird to me. Like he, here's a, like Kobe's going to, again, LeBron made the right basketball play. Danny Green, you know, he, that's a high percentage shot. You know, that's a shot that you live and die for. Like, Kobe was shooting that ball. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, it's just really weird to me. Like, you know, watching Kobe play, you know, for basically Brett, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. You know, he, you know, we saw him more so than we saw Jordan. And it's just like, you know, like Kobe was a killer, man. Like, he was like, you know, he didn't hang out with people outside of, outside of basketball. Like, he hung out with, you know, his wife, his kids, and, like, that was basically it. So, it's just, it's so surreal for me to, like, hear everybody, like, you know, like, like Jeannie Buss, obviously, is a little bit different, you know, that they, she basically grew up with Kobe, but, you know, some of the other players, like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love it. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I respect that, the hell out of it, but it's still, like, it's still just so surreal to me, you know? Like, it's just, it's, it's it's wild, man. It's, 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 it is. And, like, I mean, I, I don't know what the appropriate way for them to respond is in this because like i mean that there's, was there's not they're they're doing the best you know that that franchise has been through a lot this with that you know this year just that in itself like that i mean that was that was so crazy and that that was this season and i but you know man it's pretty fucking cool that they did go on to win the title it is, uh, in, it is. in this as much as in I this season it, it is it is yeah it's it's really cool in a sense and like you can't they can't ignore the fact that you know what happened so but yeah, it's it's bound to be a little bit awkward, and everything from LeBron is going to be a little bit awkward and a little bit cheesy, and um, you know, so it, it is what it is. But it's over, man. It's weird. The bubble is over, and I know. I think on our next podcast, we're going to probably do maybe like some kind of season wrap up or off season preview. I don't Jacob know. Jacob podcast. The Jacob podcast. 
yeah, we'll do some cool stuff. But I just I can't believe it's over. And uh, but I, hey, I'm I'm looking forward to the off season and and the draft and um you know free agency and and seeing how they're going to pull off this next season. Like you would talk about later in this podcast, uh, just the massive challenge that that's going to be. And there's a few different directions they can go. So I, I think we're still in for a, a few exciting months. By nature, the NBA is year round. Like even when the games it not is. it is games man. aren't being played, we're we're still talking about it. And- so. There's a lot of big storylines. Like I am, I, I think I differ from you a little bit. Like I'm happy about the bubble. Like it was, it was awesome. Like, like you know, we talked about before the the bubble even started. You know, we we both said, um, you know, I think we're going to get some really really good basketball. Um, and we did. I mean, we got great basketball. It was ideal conditions. You know, I'm really, you know, one of the things. You know, my top three, top four things that I'm looking forward to is, is seeing how AD plays next year. You know, as, as you point out. You'll hear it later. He was great against uh, against Portland um, in that series a couple years ago when they won, and he was even great against Golden State in which they lost. You know, it just – I said, you know, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. You guys will hear it later on. But, you know, I really wish there were fans there. Like, I would have loved to have seen, like, AD kind of rise to that moment. Uh, I think I think he would have. It's not a knock on him. I, I think he would have. But it just would have been cool, like, seeing him have a big game on the road, whether it was – you know, in Denver, you know, I, I don't want to say the Staples Center against the Clippers if that if that would have happened, or you know, just just wherever, done. even even in Miami or something, or let's say it's Boston and it's 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 in the Garden and all that stuff. Like, I just I just miss that stuff, and and you guys will hear that later on. But yeah, man, now it's it's fast forward to the off season. You know, um, there's a certain team in a certain state that is very near and dear to me. I mean, dude, there's there's a player <laughs> that's got a huge decision to make. We're we're officially on. You know, I think the game hasn't even been two hours old and we're officially, you know, we're on Giannis watch right now. And, you know, none of us have any idea. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see how the NBA tries to do this this next season because I there's not going to be a vaccine ready in time. I, I don't think for them to have, you know, full capacity at these NBA arenas. And who knows if there's going to be a regional bubble. I, I can't imagine they're going to do a bubble like this that they did again. But, I mean... It's exciting, man. I mean, just kind of the where does Bradley Beal end up? Does does he end up? Does he stay in Washington? You know, I don't know, man. I I just think the storylines. You know, we have the NBA draft coming up with no college basketball, basically. Like it, it's gonna be. There's a like you said, man. That the NBA, um, I think for the better, has turned into a twenty four seven three sixty five league, and I I can't wait. Like I'm I'm excited for. Uh, for the off season to start, man, I think the storylines, there's going to be plenty to talk about. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to talk about some of those guys. Like, well, Bradley Beal, I guess his team was in the bubble, but he wasn't, but it's like, yeah, I haven't, but it's weird to think about. I was just thinking about this actually that because it's definitely been floated that the season could get pushed back till March. And if that happens, those eight teams that didn't qualify for the bubble will have not played a basketball game in a full calendar year. Dude, did you see the gets, did you see that's crazy. crazy. Did you see the picture? I think it was like a, a week or two ago. Like Golden State like had this practice and Clay Thompson was there. Like, dude, like it's not that I forgot that Golden State existed, but yeah, it's like you no. haven't heard from them for a year. No. For, for a long time. No, dude. they're I mean there's and like even like a team like the Hawks, like a super interesting young team. Like I'm so excited about them. So I'm really excited to get to talk about those teams again in sort of like this offseason context and then yeah like you mentioned with the draft like we haven't seen those kids play in a long time like this is this is a wild draft like I think there's going to be some a couple of really bad picks uh near the top and a couple of 
massive steals, maybe at the back end of the first round, early second round, even. Uh, so it's 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 going to be really really exciting, and yeah, I can't wait to make some wild uh, projections and and just I get into all that. Either, stuff, baby. I can't eat. So I we're we're here now, man. It's on on to the next phase, and um, we're gonna keep keep doing the pot, of course. So. It is, man, and you know I love passionate, excited Brett. You know, you know I love it. You know I love it. I can't wait. Let's go. Let's I can't go. wait. So yeah, man. I mean, yeah, Brett. I mean, do you have anything to add? Like, I got you know. I guess you know. Shout yeah. out to the Lakers. Congrats to the Lakers. You know they they deserve it. They were they were definitely the most deserving team to uh, to win. Like I, yeah, I, have, no, I, I have I have no complaints. No complaints. Shout out at to all. the Heat. Shout out to the Heat too. I mean, they were they were a great team. Jimmy Butler had uh, one hell of a finals run and. Uh, and just that whole squad throughout the playoffs was was really awesome. Like uh, I don't I don't consider them like a weak opponent at all for the Lakers. I thought they were great, and uh, I can't wait to see what they do next year and and what the Lakers do. Does AD kind of like officially like take the torch from LeBron? Like is who's going to be? Because we can I think all agree that LeBron was their number one guy this year. Could AD turn into that guy? Or I don't know. I mean, what are the Heat going to do? Like th- I think they need a little more firepower if they want to make another run at the at the championship, but then they probably want to preserve some money for next off season. So there's a lot of question marks just with these two teams. We'll get into all that. I'm sure on some of these upcoming episodes, but yeah, man, that's, that's about it. I I wish it had been a better game because it had been a really great series, at least the previous three games, but uh, Hey man, what, what can, what can you do? Um, the Lakers yeah. were were just uh, they were just out for blood tonight. So, so that happens. I just got to tell you something and then we'll get out of here. Um, so, I'm watching this Vikings Seahawks game right now on mute and the Vikings are up 26 to 21. I know you're a huge football fan, Brett, like the Vikings were at like the 10 yard line. All they had to do was kick a field goal and this game is over. And the reason like I'm watching this game is because if Minnesota wins, Green Bay is the guy, they got the number one seed right now. It's super early, but whatever. They're the number, they would be the number one seed in the NFC and Minnesota just tried going for it. There's like a minute 30 left and they didn't get it. Like, and I'm just sitting here going like, what the fuck are you doing? Fuck Minnesota, dude. God, that you know what, dude? The Timberwolves, the Vikings, you guys deserve everything you got. Unless you win this game, then I'll probably like you again. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to do right. a victory lap, Brett. I mean, there is one thing I did say before the season start. I did predict uh, an Antetokounmpo was going to win a, win the title, get a ring. He did. Um, he I was did. right on that. So you know what? I'm going to take a victory lap. I told everybody. I got mocked all year, but, you know, I was right. You know, I even got the six part right. They did it in six. We're, you know, it's irrelevant if I got the team wrong. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and to the Kumpo in six. And to the Kumpo in six. Yeah, man. And and that's going to do it for us. And, and real quick, man, Um, you know, uh, shout out to Dak Prescott. I know this is a uh, the overstated NBA show, but um, if you didn't hear, I mean, his, his – uh, he had a play where his ankle uh, went the wrong way. Um, it was very um, Gordon Hayward-esque. Um, and, and, yeah, and, you know – he, uh, you know, this is why athletes hold out, man, because he was under a franchise tag because he wanted a long-term deal. And yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? But so uh, oh, it sucks, man. So uh, shout out to Dak. He's having ankle surgery. He should be having it right now. And uh, yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But Brett, uh, that's going to do it for this segment. Um, as Brett said, we recorded, we did about an hour's worth on uh, on some good stuff. So uh, hopefully everyone sticks around. Uh, we kind of get into, yeah. we talk, we, we talk about the Lakers some more and, and we actually get into it. We have a really good discussion about the, uh, the NBA ratings and, and sports ratings in general that I, I think you guys will enjoy. So. All right. All right. All right. Jacob and Brett, I hope you guys are doing good. We are recording this 11 AM my time, 9 AM Brett time. And Jacob, I believe it's 5 PM by you is that's what it is, right? That's right. You've been getting it right so far. 
Six <laughs> hours, baby. Six hours. So we're recording this uh, ahead of Game Six tonight. It, it's going to be, you know, I'm hoping for a really good game. Game Five was was spectacular. So let's let's just kind of get into it, Brett. Real quick, the people they they've been asking me, Brett. They want to know two questions from you. Is Jimmy Butler finally? Did he finally crack Brett Usher's top ten rankings? And is Duncan Robinson the greatest shooter of all time? <laughs> Duncan Robinson had one of the greatest shooting seasons of all time. But no, he's not the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like it's hard to say. Let's let's see another season of it. And then I think for sure if he if he does that again, you gotta put him in the the top 20. But when you're talking about the greatest of all time, it's kind of like a cumulative thing. So but I will say that he had one of the greatest shooting seasons of all time in terms of three-point shooting. I would say top five easily uh, without even having looked at it. And then as far as Jimmy Butler, uh, he's he's close. He's close to the top 10. I don't know if he's quite in. Um, I had him at 17 like a few weeks ago when I did my top 20. And um, he's definitely higher than that now. He's definitely top 15. But, you know, to get into the top 10, that means you're like, that means you're, that means you're, you're putting him over like a Jokic or like a Lillard uh, or like a KD. I, who, you know, well, we can't, I, well, remember, I think I, Jacob and I said this though. Like, when I say top 10, like, I'm not including like KD or stuff in there. They're hurt. We'll they're, see they're, they're not even playing. Yeah. So we can't, we can't include them in. Now, obviously, next year is a, a new season, but that's, that's how I'm looking at it. I don't know if that's how okay. Jacob's looking at it as well. That is exactly. I don't, if you are injured, like John Wall has not even been on my radar for anything like this for the past like two years. Like Oladipo, KD, Steph, I don't even consider it because you're injured. Let's see what happens when you come back. Yes. I, I just, I, I'm, see, when I make the list, I'm thinking, I'm basing it on where I expect them to be when they come back. And like, I'm hoping for the best with John Wall, but I don't expect him to be a top 20 player. So he wouldn't be in that conversation regardless. But, I expect Steph to still be, you know, a top six, seven player at the lowest. And I fully expect KD to be, you know, top 12, 13 at, at worst. And he could very well be in the top 10. So I do include those guys, but that is, and maybe that's a little bit of the discrepancy when we talk about our top tens, because I think if say I have Jimmy in the, the, at number 12, then yeah, if I take Steph and KD out of the equation, then we're on the same page all of a sudden. But I do include those guys because I'm basing it on where I expect them to be next season. And I think they're both still going to be great. Jacob, yes. I got, I got, I got, I got, since you're the numbers guy, I got some stats for you. Ready? I'm ready. LeBron, LeBron James, this NBA finals is averaging 30.2 points per game, 11.4 rebounds per game, 8.2 assists per game. 1.2 steals per game, and he's shooting 57.3% from the field. Our boy, Mr. Marquette, Marquette, I call him the Warriors so, but they're the Marquette Golden Eagles. Jimmy Butler is averaging 29 points a game, 8.6 rebounds a game, 10.2 assists per game, 2.6 steals per game, 55.5 field goal percentage. Jacob, here is my question for you. And I'm kind of, I, I didn't tell you that I was going to ask this, so I want to get your your honest response is this going to sound a little hot takey, a little, a little skip esque. Is Jimmy Butler LeBron James's greatest foe in the NBA Finals? Ooh, ooh, I wasn't ready for that one. I know, um, I know. I, I was, I was thinking about prepping you with it, and I was like, you know what? I want to hear what Jacob has to say without me asking that. Well, um, off straight off the bat, no, 
it is 2017 Kevin Durant is the best player LeBron's played in the finals, in my opinion. Probably, I'd say 2007 Duncan is close. I'd say 2011 Dirk is up there. But 2017 KD is the only time I think LeBron's been clearly outplayed in the finals. I don't even think this year he's been outplayed by Butler. I think it's touch and go between them. I'd probably still actually give AD right now as the best player to me in this final series. So there you go. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. I like it. Brunt, same question to you. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, if you're talking about the best player he's faced or his toughest opponent in the finals, uh, you know, at least in terms of like somebody he's kind of matched up with, I would definitely say it was it was Durant the two years they played each other when Durant was with the Warriors. But when you talk about like his toughest foe, like, I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like this is like the most even Mm. Matchup yeah, that yeah. See, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you're talking about like a rivalry, like I don't even know if the Durant thing could be considered a rivalry, at least in terms of the finals, because they got absolutely stomped, especially in in 2018. I mean, it was just ugly, and and Durant really could not be stopped. That was those were some of the greatest finals performances ever. So, but yeah, with Jimmy, it feels like a real back and forth, a real rivalry, a real even matchup. And, and I think that's made it a lot of fun. Like, this is one of the more fun NBA finals I can remember. And one of the better ones, too. I, I think people are kind of sleeping on that a little bit. You know, I think you could make an argument for this being a top five finals of this century, of the past 20 years. I really do. I was looking over all of them, and I couldn't come up with five that I thought were better than this or that I enjoyed more than this. So, it's been great, and uh, and that's a big part of it is that that back and forth between Jimmy and LeBron, and nowhere was it more prominent than toward the end of Game Five. That was just riveting. I mean, if you don't love that, like you know, come on. <laughs> I dude, I hear you, man. And Jimmy, like the reason I asked that is I, I kind of I, I'm looking at it as they're both both teams are kind of similar. I mean, even even with as good as Anthony Davis has been, like I mean, Jimmy Butler. I mean, dude, he played forty seven minutes forty seven minutes in game five. I mean, he was just, he was just insane. And it seems like, you know, I'm not saying like they're going shot for shot on anything, but it's very clear that Jimmy Butler and LeBron James are in complete control and command of their teams, even with, you know, kind of bam earlier in in the playoffs, not necessarily the NBA finals and, and with AD as well. Like it, it, it starts and ends with those two guys. And, you know, for being honest, I, I think, especially once Kyrie and uh, Kevin Love left, like as much, I I think everybody knew that Golden State was going to win. I I think that first year that Golden State had KD, I I think there was maybe a little bit, hey, can can LeBron and Cleveland do this again? But really, I think we all went in expecting like, hey, Golden State is going to win. They're just, they're just way too talented. And in this series, like it just, even though, you know, if the Lakers win tonight, they they win in six and it's four, two, it seems like every game has been, you know, weirdly competitive. I mean, am I am I off on that, guys, or are you guys kind of seeing the same thing? The last three have been great. That's kind of been the strength of the series. Like, is three, four, and five. So, yeah, I mean, it's they've been all all three of them have been extremely competitive, and it's really been awesome. Yeah, I I think it's been the, you're right, Brett. These last three games, especially, have been really competitive. Which I think since the advent of kind of the modern modern era in like. 2015 2016 we've more and more seen that just like whoever's got a good shooting night just blows out the other team 
I mean, the 2016 finals was six blowouts in game seven. This one, the first two games were kind of blowouts towards the Lakers. The last three games have been really back and forth, kind of throwing themselves in the face of this modern style of playoff basketball where you just have one team blows the other one out, then the next night the other one beats them by 15 or something. This hasn't been like that these last few games. And Miami's been kind of outplaying LA since game two. After game two, I thought this was a close case for the Lakers, but um, it's not that anymore. It, it's it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, just, just watching this stuff has been a lot of fun. And especially, you know, it, it was nice to see Duncan Robinson finally show up. I mean, he was he was just absolutely money. And I think, Brett, you brought up some good points. Now, that dude just can shoot, man. He can flat out shoot. And I know he's been struggling this entire, you know, kind of seemed like in the bubble. But it was good to get him going. I mean, you have, again... I, as president of the the Tyler Hero fan club, I mean that dude with one point was it one point seven second stuff. Dude just he's having a terrible game, gets fouled and just sinks two free throws. Like I mean, it, it, it's just been a lot of fun, and especially even the Lakers. You know their bench has been really good. I mean you have playoff Rondo has been playing good. Um, I think some of the stuff on Danny Green. I I mean I think LeBron James is going to make that pass ten times out of ten. I thought that was the the right play, I, you know, he, he just missed it. You know, it, shit happens. You know, if, if people want to get that mad, I know by the time this airs, like we're not even going to be really talking about game five, but you know, what do you, what do you guys think of kind of how the, the benches have played in this as well? I mean, I think we all have to be what, like at least pleasantly surprised with the Lakers bench. Can I get back to Duncan Robinson for one sure, quick second since boy, you mentioned him, man? Boy, go for it, well, man. I think there's some, I think there's, uh, I think it's important to note that, so we and I've kind of felt like he's in general been struggling a little bit in the playoffs. But if you look at his numbers, he's still making three threes a game at 40 percent. Like he's it's he's still shooting extraordinarily well if you look at it as a whole. And even the games when he's off, a lot of times it's not so much that he's off. It's that he has been made a priority by the opposing team to shut down. Like they're like, whatever we do, don't let Duncan Robinson get off. And I mean, if you look at the way that he's covered, I mean, they cover him super tight. So mm-hmm. yeah, if there's a game where he shoots, you know, one of eight or one of nine on threes or something like that's what it is. You know, it's the way he's being covered. And when he's being covered like that, you know, you have to appreciate the gravity, the way that he draws defenders away, the way that he opens up space for guys like Jimmy Butler and Dragic in the earlier rounds to create and to get to the hole. So even when he's missing his shots, he's still extraordinarily valuable. So I think that's important to note. And I, I, you know, he's been a really important player for them. And I think his defensive effort has been a little bit underappreciated, especially in the finals, especially these last few games. He's putting forth quite an effort on both ends, whether it's doing his best on defense, which isn't always great, but you know that's all you can ask from him. And then on offense, just the way that he's just constantly running off screens, constantly moving. Like, I mean, he's really exerting a lot of energy out there, and um, he's been super important for them even before his game five performance, which was his first really hot game in in a while. Just for some uh-huh. context, Brett, I mean, with, with Duncan Robinson and, and everybody's three point shooting tends to go down in the playoffs. In the regular season, he was ever, he was shooting from three, forty four point six percent. In the playoffs, it was it went down to thirty nine point six percent, and he was making three per game. And and you're right. I mean, through the first three games of the NBA Finals, he was five for twenty, 
And he was, I think, I don't even think he scored a point in game one. And he just exploded. And, you know, if Miami wants to not only force a game seven or win this series, they're going to need for him to keep shooting like that. Even if he doesn't have to be as effective as he was, he still has to keep the defense honest and and glued to him to open up some of those lanes. And if he can do that, I mean, Miami and same with Tyler, uh, you know, he's, he struggled a little bit too. And, you know, they're, they're both young guys. I mean, this is uh, Tyler Hero's rookie season and this is Duncan Robinson's second season. So, I mean, this is to be expected, but if Miami can get those two rolling, Jacob, I mean, w- watch out. I mean, I, the Lakers, we, we might have a game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think Brett Hone, I think Duncan Robinson is really showing the value players in that mold can have in the one because he is so like you're saying, Brett, they have to guard him so tight and he has such perpetual motion on the, on the floor on offense that he just, you have to exert so much energy, just making sure he doesn't just shoot the lights out. And then you have Jimmy Butler, because this is something that's really shocked me coming in here into the finals is that, I mean, I've been banging on that Miami's offense in the playoffs is amazing. It's amazing. They have all these, these like three tent poles of Bam and Butler and Dragic and they all attack in such different ways and they're all so valuable and you really can't break the offense and two of them went down in the finals for multiple games and I mean Dragic is obviously like he's not coming back the offense has still been spectacular throughout like when I when I say spectacular just so you know I'm talking about how well the Miami offense does in comparison to the defense they're going up against like the Miami offense is consistently in every single playoff round scoring like seven, eight points better per 100 possessions than they should be against the defense they're going up against. And that's happening again in this finals without Dragic, who was super, super valuable to them. And I think a lot of that, we then we have to start looking at guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and just being like, these guys provide so much value that even when key kind of ball handling pieces or playmakers for that team go down, the other team's defense is still getting super stretched by Miami and this is why I'm kind of scared for the LA team going forward because I don't think when we're talking about our KCPs going you know scoring 15 points Rondo's getting like 15 and 10 and you need those performances and you can't rely on someone apart from LeBron and AD to consistently give you like 15 points the Lakers could easily lose the next two games it's they really could Miami are that good Real quick, I know we want to talk about NBA ratings. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Like, um, I don't know how I want to ask it. I know that we said, like, this isn't going to be an asterisk, and I don't think this is going to be an asterisk. An, an asterisk title, nor, nor it shouldn't. I think what these players have done is phenomenal, and they, they should be credited with that. But how much stock, Brett, like, we'll, we'll kind of go to you because I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this. Do you put – I want to figure out how I want to ask this. So, like, LeBron and AD, do you put them as – you know, two of the best Lakers ever if they pull this off? Or where does where do they stand kind of historically in in your eyes? In terms of just with their standing within the Lakers franchise? Well, yeah. I mean, like, so I was kind of thinking about this the other day and I saw a lot of stuff in the group. And, you know, my, my kind of thoughts on this, let me give you my thoughts and you guys can tell me if I'm full of shit or you guys agree with me or not. I think that what happened, what happens in the bubble is unique to the bubble and they, the players should be, awarded for that and they should be credited for that but like I'm not going to say this is probably not the best example like I'm not going to say hey LeBron and AD rival what Kobe and Shaq did or what Kobe and Gasol did you know because 
there's no travel, there's no games on the road or there's no fans or whatnot. Like that's kind of how I look at it. We're like, yeah, they were, they were the two best players in the NBA during this or LeBron was during this bubble thing. And then, but I'm hesitant on comparing them to different teams that didn't have to play in a bubble. So like, what do you, what do you think about that? If, or, you know, do you agree with that? Am I full of shit or what, what are your thoughts? And then we'll go to Jacob as well. Well, no, you're not definitely not full of shit. I mean, that's, I think that's a, I think it's a fine opinion to have, although I I don't completely agree with it. I think the main thing that separates Anthony and LeBron from Kobe and Powell or Kobe and Shaq or whatever, or Kareem and Magic, you know, any great Laker duo or Laker teams, like, you know, this will be their first one together. This was their first season together. Now, if they can run off three straight titles, I think they're right there with Kobe and Powell and even Kobe and Shaq. So like, I'm not going to – and say they do. Say they do win two or three titles, and I look back on this bubble. I'm not going to think of, well, they won two, and then the bubble won. Like, it's more like, no, they just – they won three. This uh, To me, this is as legit as any other title. Like, and we we talked about this a lot in the last episode, so we don't need to get back into it too much. But I, I basically, I don't, I don't think there's an asterisk. And if there is an asterisk, it's a good asterisk. You know what I mean? It's saying right, that, like, right. Here, let, wow, let me- they it's, – it's not, it's not like that they won a title – because of the circumstances it's no. like they want a title despite the circumstances here, here let, let me let me rephrase this because i think this is a better example all all week this week especially this week there's been a lot of talk of jacob and brett you jump in on this too after after from jacob i, I probably gave a, a shitty example you can you can edit that out if you want brett but you know when when saying that ad is lebron's best teammate that he's had compared to Dwayne wade like i understand like why people would say that ad has been he's been absolutely phenomenal like but I'm looking at it as, and again, if someone wants to say that AD is LeBron's best teammate ever, like I'm really not going to argue too much about it. But my argument would be as good as AD is, you know, he never had to go game four NBA finals on the road in, in, a, in a hostile environment or even in the Western Conference finals for that matter. You know, where, when, with what Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron did, you know, winning, what was it, 27 games in a row. And I know they had Chris Bosh, but, you know, going to four straight NBA finals even though I think maybe the last one LeBron kind of carried him. But, like, I guess that's what I mean when I when I say this. Like, let's see, you know, AD kind of have this same performance with fans on the road. And, I, I mean, who knows if we're ever going to get there. But that would probably be a better example. So, Jacob, I'll, I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on that as well. Well, I think it's really tough to place LeBron and AD in L.A. history right now because, like you say, like, even just going back 20 years, you've got Kobe and Powell – which I think LeBron and AD, I don't think many people would argue talent-wise, LeBron and AD 2020 are better than Kobe Powell 2009 in terms of talent-wise as a duo. But then you go back to Shaq and Kobe, and then you go back to Magic and Worthy, Magic and Kareem, you know, Wilton West, Weston Baylor. Like, the history is so, so great that, like, even a championship now doesn't take really either of them into the highest echelon of LA players ever in terms of what they did in LA. But talent-wise, as an actual pairing, they're they're up there. And it's really tough to say LeBron Wade, LeBron AD, who is the better teammate. Because what Wade actually did in 2011, I think, is being forgotten because we focus on Le- LeBron's meltdown in the finals. And that's that's what it is. It's a meltdown in those finals. But Dwayne Wade was fantastic in the, the 2011. He was. I if, mean, if in the NBA finals, for sure. Yeah, if they'd won, I think he was probably the best player on the floor, like better than Dirk, I think, in those finals. What Wade was doing in those finals, like 
just to give you some numbers, like adjusted per 75, he put up 38 and 6 in the 2011 finals. Absolutely outrageous stat line. And then one and a half steals and blocks each. Dwayne Wade in 2011 was a legit MVP candidate. And I think AD is in 2020 as well, but it's a lot closer than people think. Where it really diverges is, I think, the fit of them two together. I think AD is definitely a better fit with LeBron than Wade was, even though actually who is the better player is a lot closer than I think a lot of people are making it out to be right now. Yeah, and that's that really is the main point I wanted to to make as well as the fit. You know that because when you're talking about LeBron's greatest teammate ever, you have to think about the fit. And and yes, AD is a perfect fit. Like I don't know if two teammates have ever fit together more perfectly, you know, relative to their era than LeBron James and Anthony Davis in 2020. But even in a vacuum, I would say that 2020 AD is a little bit better than 2011 Wade, not by a lot, but I would say that even if you're just looking at it that way, regardless of fit, and of course, regardless of career accomplishments up until that point, because Wade would have a massive edge in that respect. But if you're just looking at it on a single season basis in a vacuum, I still think 2020 AD is a little bit better. And then when you factor in the fit, I think it's definitely his best teammate ever. And then if you want to say what's the best duo LeBron's ever been a part of, that's a little different because, of course, LeBron's nine years older now, eight years older than he was then. And then, Steve, let me get back to what you were saying also about Anthony you know, he's not doing it in front of a hostile environment. He's not doing it in front of fans. It's not a, a typical playoffs. That's, or not, a typical his fault. that's not his fault. Like, I want to reiterate. No, no, that. I know. Like, that's not. Like, I hear you. I, I'm not holding but, that against him. Right. But I mean, people will, you know, like when we're talking about it, like people will want to see him do it on the, the big stage, so to speak. But look, man, in 2018, he played nine playoff games. They swept the Blazers. I'll never forget that in the first round four games, and then they lost to the Warriors in five games in the second round. Across those nine games, real playoff games, Anthony averaged 30.1 points, 13.4 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, shot 52% from the field, 83 from the line. So, I mean, he put up absolutely monster numbers over a nine-game playoff run in front of legit fans and everything. And, I mean, he, he scored 47 to close out Portland. And then when they were facing elimination against Golden State, and of course they they did lose in that game five, but he scored 34 with 19 rebounds. So, I mean, I think he's proven that he can dominate no matter what the environment is. And like, if they get back to the finals next year, I don't, there's no reason to think he won't be as good as he's been now. If anything, maybe he'll be better. So that would be my, my argument against that would be like, look at the, look at his 2018 playoff run. He was an absolute monster. He wasn't on the greatest team. They had no chance against the Warriors, obviously, but he did his part. That's for sure. He, he was man. And like I said, I, I, I'm not really like, I, I'm not really going to argue it too much. Like I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to necessarily hold it against him too much, but I do think, you know, as a fan, like I want to see him go to Miami or go to Denver and, you know, have the same type of success. And that's why I think, this bubble is going to be real interesting. I commented on it in our group. You know, we see what, how good Jamal Murray can be. You know, we see how good, you know, Tyler Hero, I mean, 37 points. You know, we, we, we now know like, hey, this is the potential of what this league can be at. Now I think the next step, not necessarily for AD, although I do kind of want to see that from him. Like, let's see these guys. Like, I would love for Jamal Murray to just keep ascending, you know, with fans. Because I, I do think 
you know, and this will kind of be a good segue in, into our ratings conversation. I do think fans, we, we underestimate uh, the type of effect that they can have on a game. You know, it, it's tough, you know, going into, you know, when I was looking at, I, I went back and looked at some of those, those Lakers, the last Lakers Celtics finals and, you know, going into, you know, the garden and, you know, beating Boston in game three or even Boston, I think in game one, beating the Lakers, like it, it's different going up on the road, you know, when you've never done it before. And again, I'm not necessarily holding that against AD. Like, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts because I do think it's a, it's a very interesting discussion and I'm excited to see what a lot of these players can do, you know, when there's fans and, you know, unfortunately who knows when we're going to get back to that, but you know, that kind of leads us into the NBA ratings conversation. You know, we, we kind of have to talk about it for those of you that don't know. I mean, this has been kind of one of the worst, well, it, kind of, it hasn't kind of, it, it's been the worst NBA finals um, on record um, as far as viewership goes. With that, um, there's there's a lot of factors why. Um, you know, you have Mark Cuban who um, is kind of going at it with Ted Cruz and and uh, Clay Travis and some other fairly conservative people because you knew you know this thing was going to get get political as soon as the NBA stepped into the social justice thing, which I, I still think was was the right thing to do. But it's just interesting, and I wanted to kind of give everyone that's listening, you know, and and you guys, you know, kind of some stats here. So. There was two, three, four, five. There was five sports that were supposed to have kind of their their quote unquote championships in the spring that were moved to to the fall. And you know the NBA Finals um, game one. This is just game one of the NBA Finals. I, I can go through the rest of the numbers if you guys want, but uh, they've been they've been pretty bad. You know it was forty. They were down forty five percent. The Stanley Cup was down sixty one percent. That's a thirteen year low. You the U.S. Open golf was down fifty six percent. That's an all time low. The Kentucky Derby was down 43%. That's an all-time low. And the Indy 500 was down 32%. That's an all-time low. Um, and all of those sports were scheduled to take place in May and June, and they were moved to August and September. The NFL, it, they're down as well. They are down 10%. Um, although Monday Night Football is up 2%. I have a feeling, uh, granted, it's only been four weeks. A lot of that has to do with the matchup of Baltimore and Kansas City. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this is just, I don't think this really matters. I know people are trying to make this political and it's certainly not a great look for the NBA. Like I'm sure they're not happy with these. There's no way to spin it in your favor. Um, you know, the, the NBA, they don't have China anymore. Um, based on what happened, you know, we, we've talked about that already based on what happened last year. The, the Nielsen ratings, they they do take into account streaming, and for the first time ever, they're they're taking into account out of home viewing. It's called OOH. So basically, what that is, it, it takes um you know like hospitals, offices, things of that nature. Um, the, the streaming stuff it does take in, although it's not great. But I mean, the NBA is going to be fine in the long term. I think it's a variety of factors. I would be shocked if the social justice thing had maybe more than three percent, three to five percent of the factor. I just think that. It's been moved around. Sports in general are are up. It's just that there's a lot, lot, lot more competition right now. I mean, it's basically a lot of options for people to watch. And I think people are, you know, kind of taking advantage of that. But, you know, the NBA is going to be fine. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. I want to get Brett and Jacobs thought about this. But it's not a good look when you have your marquee franchise in the Lakers and you have your best player, the best player in the world, LeBron James. And, you know, I think for us NBA nerds, the matchup is better. I'm sure the NBA probably wanted the Celtics in there. 
But I mean, this is this is pretty bad. There's no way to spin it. I, I think the NBA will be fine, and I'll tell you guys why in a little bit. But based on what I said, Brett, we'll, we'll kind of start with you. What are, what are your kind of thoughts on this? Like I said, I knew this was going to get political. I, I don't think it's political. I just think that's just the world that we live in right now. Yeah, it's it's not political. You know, like <laughs> how is putting equality on the back of your jersey political? Like how is Black Lives Matter political? Like how is any of this stuff even considered political? When people say the NBA is getting too political, that's bullshit. This is not that's not politics. You know what I mean? They're not saying even like vote Biden or whatever. Like, you know, it, it's not political. These are very like safe, non-political messages, if you ask me. You know, everything that everyone's up in arms about, asking for justice for Breonna Taylor, like that's not political. It's not. It's not. And anyone who says that it is, is wrong. All right. So I don't think any of it is, I don't even, I don't think that's the right word to describe any of the stuff, at least the social justice stuff that the NBA is talking about. That's what it is. It's, it's social justice. It's racial justice. It's a fight for racial equality. It's, it's a good thing. And it's not a, it's not a political thing. So that, that pisses me off. I think a lot of that has to do with, they've become an easy target in a sense, and also kind of the only target for conservatives right now, because normally it, it look, and we'll talk about this some more, but because it does affect the ratings, obviously it's an election year. And if you go back to the last election cycle in 2016, and you look at everything that conservatives were doing to distract from their own shortcomings or to fire up their base or to trash liberalism, they're taking aim at pop culture icons, people in the entertainment industry, people who are out speaking about this stuff. That's who they were taking aim at, right? But because of the pandemic, none of those people are nearly as visible as they would normally be. Like they don't have their usual go-to targets. And so when the NBA decided to take on this, to speak out about racial injustice, that made them kind of just the default target for people that would normally be targeting sort of a wider array of people speaking out about those kind of things. So I just think that has a lot to do with it. It's a right wing thing. It's Donald Trump saying, oh, there's a there's a nastiness about the NBA. What do you think he fucking means by that? You know, the NBA is not I wouldn't even say they're. It's not so much that they're a liberal league. They're a black league. Right. Eighty percent of the players are black. Like you don't think that they care about this stuff. You don't think they're going to speak out about this stuff. It's not about a political agenda. It's about oppression based on the color of people's skin and NBA players feel very strongly about that. And the NBA as a league reflecting that and aligning with that is a good thing. There's no question about it. So I don't even see it as political. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I think you had part of it was in your, your opening statement, Steve, where you said like about when you ran through the numbers um, from all different sports and how they're down Imagine saying golf was losing ratings because of political and golf is such an apolitical sport or like horse racing is so apolitical. Like 
looking at this, just trying to prize out kind of what's happening here. This it, there's so much noise in this kind of the rating data when we're talking about, like you say, it's an election year. It's a different time of the year. It's a you know there's a pandemic going on. It's there's so much to prize out of that data that to say the ratings are down compared to it's like well the rating we're talking about almost an entirely different situation no there's never been a rate a point in nba history where they've played like this in this situation so to make it in any way a political point is like i think you really nailed there brett it's a way for people with agendas that maybe they feel threatened or that they feel like they can attack kind of social justice movements or they feel threatened by the idea that they can kind of be like, look, it doesn't work. It's losing them ratings when there really isn't anything. I mean, I was reading about um, kind of the advertisers, the sponsors who like they're the ones with kind of more advanced data. They're the ones who much greater than like Nielsen ratings, which I mean, like you say, Steve, they only recently started bringing in this extra data to look at it where the, the sponsors are like, no, this is exactly what you need to be doing because your de- the demographic that watches the NBA totally agrees with this stuff for the most part. So it really is completely like has no effect on them. Like I haven't even really noticed this stuff is going on. And I'm probably more left wing than most people watching the NBA, like by, especially by American standards. But I haven't, I've been like completely nonplussed by the social justice messaging. If anything, like you say, Brett, it's been kind of as sterile messaging as you could possibly have having equality on the back of shirt or just saying black lives matter like to make that into a political point is kind of telling on the person who is trying to make it a political point because we are just talking about basic human rights and basic social justice here they shouldn't go much beyond that and i mean ted cruz is just walking human trash anyway so and and, and that's why you know like i was i was (laughs) I understand what Mark Cuban is trying to do, but uh, you know, I think that he should just, and again, he's, he's been like this his entire career. So, I mean, I just think Mark Cuban should just keep his mouth shut. I mean, I really, I think it just fires up, you know, the conservative base that, that think this even more. I mean, the, the ratings are what they are. You're going to get attacked from China. I mean, you know, the, I think the NBA granted, you know, they can't do They can't do everything, but they really, you know, I think they mishandled that. But I mean, you just let, let, let them talk. I mean, you know, like you said, I'll, I'm going to go through some numbers in, in a minute here, but the NBA is going to be fine. You know, Mark Cuban doesn't need to be going on, you know, attacking Ted Cruz over this. You know, I understand why he's doing it, but I, I mean, I, lo- I love it. I love that he's doing yeah. it. I love that <laughs> yeah. he's doing it. Um, oh, I, I, I don't just because Why not? you're, you're going to take the L on it. The, the, the ratings are what they are and, and, and they're bad. And like I said, there's. There's, but it's not because no, of what it's not because of what Ted Cruz is sure, saying though. Sure that's it's the not, thing. It's sure it's not, but maybe one maybe one percent of sure, it. Sure, but that's what they're gonna say. You know, they're gonna say, and then you have you know you have Mark Cuban going after Ted Cruz, and then just what three days ago you have Adam Silver going. You know what? We're not gonna have writings on the court next year. Everything's gonna go back to normal. And he even said in his statement, and it was not by accident. You know, people want to watch the NBA just because to get away and they don't want to deal with this stuff. The NBA or sports is an escape. So you see the NBA is scrambling and it's just as simple with China. And I mean, you know, again, I, I applaud what the NBA did. Like, again, I'm, I'm on the NBA side here. But, you know, if we're going to be truthful about this stuff, the only color that matters is green. It, all that matters is money. 
And I mean, you know, and these owners are going to lose a shit ton. And this cannot be overstated enough how much money they lost this year and how much money they're going to lose next year. It's a lot. I mean, the NBA spent, I think, the early numbers, and I would bet a lot of money that this that this figure is up. Spent a, they're losing $150 million on this bubble. You know, fans in the stands, I think they account for 45% of the NBA's revenue. And the NBA, the reason that, like I said, in the long term, they're going to be okay because the most valuable thing in, in TV rights is live sports. So the NBA is going to be fine. You know, if you want to compare it to, to baseball, um, baseball, you know, TBS or Turner, they just signed with baseball a seven-year um, extension on their contract worth $535 million a year. That's a 65% increase from their current deal. And that goes through 2028. Um, Fox Sports also um, at the same time announced an extension that's going to pay $525 million. You know, that goes through 2028 as well. And the NBA, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, I mean, they signed a a new deal. I th- want to say that kicked in in 2015 or 2016. Um, ESPN pays $1.4 billion and Turner pays $1.2 billion. And that number was drastically up. You know, that, so the NBA from their two TV partners are getting paid $2.7 billion per year. And the previous deal, they were getting paid $930 million. So that deal went, tri- I mean, I don't know what it is, double, triple, quadruple. Jacob, you're the numbers guy. You can probably do that for me. <laughs> but, I mean, those, yeah, so that's, what, so that's why the NBA currently has all this money to put all this stuff on. Now, they're negotiating for a new kind of to extend that deal. I think the deal is up. I want to say, I got to look it up. I want to say it's like 2024 or 2025. And, you know, the, the deal will probably be higher than the deal that they currently have. I don't think it's going to go up as much as it did previously. But, I mean, the NBA is going to be fine. But in the short term, especially, you know, Adam Silver came out and said, we want to start the season or not start the season, but open camps, do that December 1st. Michelle Roberts has already said that's probably not going to happen. She even said they might be looking at March. And I can't imagine that there's going to be fans in the stands then. And, you know, it's going to be another one of these years where the NBA is going to lose a shit ton of money. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, unless you're really poorly run. I mean, the value of NBA franchises continue to go up, you know, with all across all sports. That includes baseball. That includes the NFL, which which we'll get to. But I mean. In the long term, the NBA is going to be just, they're, they're going to be fine. You know, they're going to get, they're going to continue to get, you know, that TV money is going to come in, but I can assure you that they're probably a little bit nervous right now based on everything that's going on. I don't know why anyone's surprised that the NBA is losing money during a pandemic. Like, I know the NBA is not surprised. Like, they're not the only ones. Like, let's talk about the the restaurant industry, you know, or the hotel industry or the airline industry. Like, everybody's fucking losing money. Every other sports league is losing money. Like, it's not just an NBA problem. It's, uh, you know, and that's very obvious to say, but everybody is losing money. What are you going to attack the NBA for losing money during a pandemic? Because that's what a lot of these conservatives seem to be doing. And the fact that they say that it's because of the messaging is such horse shit. Like, I can't remember which piece of shit t- tweeted this out, but it was like, get woke, go broke. It's like a hashtag, get woke, go broke, I believe is the hashtag that's been circulating around. And that they're basically trying to say that, well, look, the NBA 
got woke and now their ratings are down like that. Like anybody who buys into that, it's like, I can't even have a conversation with somebody that thinks that has anything more than a negligible amount to do with any decline in the NBA ratings. Sure. Maybe a few racists got turned off to the NBA, you know, maybe a few hardcore conservatives or hardcore Trump supporters or some, you know, whoever, uh, maybe they lost a few viewers, right? But th- that's nothing. Like that, th- it's absolutely nothing, and they'll live with that because, like you said, Jacob, in the eyes of the advertisers, they're doing the right thing, and nobody cares about that handful of assholes that they might have lost, you know, because they're doing a good thing. The money that they're losing is because of the pandemic. It's because it's been shifted to a time when, um, when ratings are down anyway. Generally, at least talking about August and September. Television ratings are down across the board always during that time of the year. You know, if you think about like the seeding round and the first couple rounds of the playoffs, like if you think about the time slots that some of those games were being played in, it was like, you know, like 11 a.m. on like a Tuesday. So obviously the ratings are going to be way down, right? Like that's obvious because for one, they're going to be diluted because there's so many games in such a short period of time. And then also that a lot of them are in weird time slots, right? So less people were watching those. All right, now the finals is of course in good time slots and only you know every couple of days, but all those people that weren't able to watch so much of the seeding round and the first rounds of the playoffs and the second round, like they don't have as much invested in the finals because they weren't able to watch as much of it, you know, leading up. And I think that partially explains why the ratings are down in the finals. And then the other thing I think is that the Miami heat are in the finals, right? We love them. We're basketball diehards. We love watching them. We appreciate them. Like it's hard to even fathom, but if you think about it from just your average kind of casual viewer, uh, the five seed in the East, no real stars, no big name. I mean, Jimmy Butler's, kind of famous certainly among people who love basketball but for casual fans like he's not a huge draw and the heat aren't a huge draw and they don't appreciate bam out of bio the way that we do so i think that's got something to do with it too but i just don't think you can compare this finals um to last year's finals even it's just it's a completely different situation like i would be shocked if the ratings weren't down so i don't see it as a bad thing i just see it as this is naturally what was going to happen. And the NBA has done pretty damn good considering the hand that they were dealt. Yeah, I think I think what's well, I think you nailed it again, Brad. This is this is exactly what they needed to do. And they had to get the games out. Like I was able to watch two games a day during the height. If I'm able to watch games, you know they're on at bad times. <laughs> like that's 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 the reality, isn't it? Like I had games happening at like six o'clock my time. That means like for you, Brett, they're happening like ten in the morning. How many people in California or the West Coast are watching 10 in the morning NBA basketball? That's so like outside the realms of what you'd expect. And there's so little data, like one season's worth of data in a completely changed environment. There's just no no way you can really take any conclusions out of it. And yeah, I mean, you you hit on baseball, Steve. I mean, baseball's been dying for years and baseball continues to make more money every single year every year their revenue is up even though people aren't going to the games and people aren't watching it and no one cares etc etc and baseball's dying it's not america's game anymore it keeps making more money because these are businesses and they know how to do that yeah and 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 it's it's really what what it comes down to is the the hottest thing in in television is is live sports and it's going to 
continue to be. I mean, there's, there's no, there's absolutely no other way around it. You know what I mean? Like live sports is, is everything, you know, like I can, I can tell you that I have, I have direct TV. I have it strictly for sports. I don't, I really don't have it for anything else, but sports. Mm -hmm. And there's the majority of people are like that. Like the NBA, I, 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 this is my third or fourth time saying this, they're going to be just fine. You know, they're, they're going to be smart about this. I have, although I do think next year is going to be a lot tougher for them than this year was. Uh, I think that they're going to have, they're, they're, they're going to face the, the, those same things that baseball and, and the NFL is facing now. And like I said, you know, all these leagues are smart. I don't think the NBA should be too worried, but I, I'm pretty sure that Adam Silver and especially the owners you know, it, it, it's, it's LeBron James and it's the Lakers. I, I think it's concerning that this is the, you expect the ratings to be down. I don't think you expect them to be record lows, especially with LeBron James and kind of what he's chasing. But, you know, for me, as, as you know, like you said, Brett, we're all basketball nerds. I, I think a lot of it, maybe it's one, one A or one B to, to the NFL, which I'll get into a minute. I, I think the fans has a lot to do with it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's tough watching these games you know i'll i'll admit that with with no fans you know we talked about scotty pippen's comments last week and and he's right you know it feels like summer league ish kind of it feels like pickup basketball now obviously we're basketball junkies so we love it we're gonna watch but it you know it it is tough and i understand that you know the the common fan is gonna feel that way as well you know i the fans to me is more so than anything is the biggest reason why why ratings are down I just think that it, it, yeah. it, it takes away from it's, a lot of the excitement that, that we're used to. Yeah. I don't know if it's the biggest reason in my opinion, but it's definitely, I definitely do think it's a factor. And it's funny. I was going to ask you guys about this. I'm glad you brought it up, Steve, because when I watch basketball, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm as into it as anybody. And I, I really am just so focused on the game that I don't really notice the lack of fans. Like it doesn't affect me at all when I'm watching it. I forget sometimes like, cause I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I really am just so dialed into the game and, and watching the players. It's more that to me than it is like a, like a presentation, like a broadcast. It's, it's a game that I'm watching. So, but I can see how for some people it could be really weird because like, you know, you're used to seeing this show look a certain way. And it looks a lot different now. And I think to those of us that are, you know, extremely focused on the game itself, it's maybe not as big of a deal. Like I remember Zach Lowe saying that early on, he's like, I, I kind of forget sometimes when I'm watching it that like there are no fans or that he's like, I just get so caught up in the game and I can totally relate to that. But I think, you know, if I step outside of my like diehard basketball fan self, like I can see how that could turn some people off because it does look vastly different so i think that's a good point i do think that is valid to some extent yeah i'm yeah i get kind of in the same boat where sometimes i don't notice and i kind of enjoy it more when you just kind of you there's not much else going on you can just focus on the game in front of you one thing i keep coming back to is how bizarre it's going to be when either la or miami win and you know like the ceremony for the for the championship, you know, the finals MVP, all that stuff, how weird that's going to look in an empty gym. That's the only thing that really sticks out to me when I'm like, what are they going to do about that? Like, cause that, how are you going to show that on TV? That's not good TV when, you know, normally you got a crowd cheering or you got, you know, all the people, all the away fans, if it's, you know, they've happened, you know, if um, 
LA one in Miami or Miami one in LA, you'd have the traveling fans there cheering. It's going to look so weird when they actually give the um, trophy, the Larry O'Brien to whoever it is who wins. It's that's the only thing I think is going to be weird. Cause like you say, for me, for people actually really just want to watch the games. It hasn't been that big a problem watching this, these series. See, no, it's, been, it's been normal for me. Like, it's been totally normal for me. Like mm-hmm. I, it really has like, but that's again, that's just me. And like, I, but I do agree that like objectively it's not as good of a television See, product. And, like, and I'm, I'm the opposite of you too. Like I, I fucking love it. I love it. There's nothing better than when Mike Breen says bang and the crowd is just going absolutely insane. Like I, I, and it's, it's why that I just, you know, I make fun of Chris Weber so much. Like, dude, I love every single thing about it. Dude, I love the fans. I love the announcers. Like, you know, like when, when it's Kevin Harlan or it's Mike Breen, like, you know, it's a big game and you see the fans walking in and every single shot, like, you know, when it's a home team or whether it's a away team, the fans just going absolutely ape shit or like, you know, just imagine, you know, when Anthony Davis hits that shot against Denver, that game would have been in LA. Like the crowd would have been standing up before he even shot it at the inbounds pass and he makes it and the crowd goes nuts. Like, dude, I, I don't know, man. I just fucking love it, dude. I miss no, I'm with you, so man. I'm with you. It's, it's so much. It's no, it's so much better with fans. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I really wish there were fans, even just watching it on TV. And even for me, it's way better with fans i think i'm probably one of the rare people that really isn't affected by the lack of fans like i'm such a nerd in that sense but like yeah man no i agree i wish there was fans it does add a whole different element like there is something missing and i think for more casual fans that's particularly glaring and i definitely think that that plays a part in this and but it's like they couldn't have fans there's no way so it's like it goes back to the same thing like it's the pandemic it sucks they're doing their best like this is so much better than nothing but i just i don't see what if there i don't you know what i mean yes that's that's affecting their ratings i'm sure but i don't see a solution that they could put in place of it like this is the best they could do right i mean right so again we can't hold it against them we can't hold it the ratings drop against them that's what i'm going back to you can't but i mean i also think you know bigger than anything you know I, i think i think if there were fans that were allowed if if they you know had to push this back to the fall if there were fans allowed like i i I would bet money that it wouldn't be like the lowest rated NBA finals. I think it, I think there would be an uptick there um, a little bit, but I mean, you know, the other thing is, <laughs> I am Brett, I know you, I know you hate this. I mean, the other thing is they're going up against the NFL and you know, whether you, you like the NFL or not, like the NFL in, in America is that's, that's King Dingling right there. It, it, it's, it is the biggest sport just cause I gave you guys the baseball numbers. I'll give you guys the, and the NBA numbers. I'll give you guys the NFL numbers. Um, so this is this current contract. Um, and remember, the NFL is just from um, September all the way to the Super Bowl in February. But I mean, it's basically a uh, 17-week season. It basically ends the uh, first week or two of January. Um, so Fox pays $1.8 billion a year for the NFL. Um, that number and the new TV negotiations is expected to go up to $2 billion. Um, Fox also pays $660 million per year for Thursday night football. So that is 16 games. They pay $660 million for per year. ESPN pays $2 billion for Monday night football. And they also have exclusive rights to the highlights. That number is expected to jump to $3 billion. Um, AT&T Sunday ticket 
you know, which includes the red zone and you can watch every single game. They pay 1.5 billion per year. Um, I think AT&T's contract with that ends either at the end of this year or next year. And that number is expected to double. You have CBS pays 1 billion per year. And then you have NBC Sunday night football pays 950 million a year. And that number is expected to go up. And then, um, that's more than 5 billion and Amazon pays $65 million a year just to air Thursday night football along with Fox on their streaming services. So the NFL is king. And I think that, you know, the NBA has never gone up against the NFL. You know, I kind of said in, you know, the Jimmy Butler game that, you know, that we all watched, uh, was Sunday night and it, they went up against, you know, it was really, from an NFL standpoint, a, a pretty bad matchup between San Francisco and Philly. Um, Philly is, it was 0-2-1. San Francisco has a lot, had a lot of injuries. You know, the, the pregame show on NBC leading into the game had more viewers than the NBA did. And, you know, that's just, you know, I love all sports, so I watch, you know, basically everything. But, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Like I said, all those other leagues were down, you know, well into like, you know, 40, 50%. The NFL is only down 10%. And even Monday Night Football, again, is up, you know, 1% to 2%. So, I mean, that's the juggernaut. That's the elephant in the room. Um, you know, I don't I don't look at, you know, um, the NBA and the NFL as being competition. You know, it's never been that way to me. I, I think it's just, you know, the NBA dominates from after the Super Bowl to their NBA Finals is over. You have baseball in the summer. And then the NFL just dominates from, you know, October to the Super Bowl. And that's kind of how I look at it. And they, that's why, that way, a lot of those sports don't necessarily, you know, they're not necessarily in competition with each other like, like they are right now. So I think that is the biggest thing more than anything that, you know, nobody, the politicians won't say it. Like nobody's really going to say it, you know, that the NFL is, you know, it's, it's just at the end of the day, man, that's, that's the king right there. And I think that's, that's the biggest factor more than anything. Okay. So it's like, just real quick on this, like the NBA is, is competing with the NFL now, which is which is new. Obviously, the NBA never, Finals are usually before. This is the no, of course, of course not. Right, you know, it's it's usually just a, a relatively small overlap between the two leagues, and so yeah, but they're not just competing against the NFL; they're also competing against MLB, nope. NHL, you know, all these other sports that you mentioned. I think tennis has been moved, like whatever it is, and yes, the NFL is obviously the most watched. American. It's not just, it's not just NFL too. Uh, just Jacob or uh, Brett. Sorry to interrupt and then go on. It, it's also college football as well. I, I mean, football is just and college football. In, in, yeah, in yeah, America, yeah. I mean, those two. It, it's they're they're guaranteed to be you know at the top of the list. I'm sorry, Brett. Keep going. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, but for sure, man. Like we all know that football is the most popular American sport, and um, and also like with with football with the NFL, and I guess with college too. Like it's very tradition centric. Like I always get that vibe like when I do watch football or hear people talk about it so much of it is like tradition and I know you can relate to this Steve like Packers games on Sunday like there's nothing in the NBA that feels like that even to somebody who loves the NBA as much as I do it just it, it's great it's a great product but it doesn't have that that tradition I think so much of what makes the NFL what it is in terms of popularity is that traditional kind of vibe like it's a tradition to watch football on Sundays I think having the game spread out a little more makes it a little more appointment viewing makes it a little more feel like that but also the other thing is like the NFL like being that we're in the fall now like the NFL is playing on its home turf so to speak yeah like this is when the NFL always is so that makes that 
that traditional aspect of it even more powerful because like people are like, yeah, this is what I normally do in October. Whereas like with the NBA, it's like, it just feels out of place. So the way that it worked out with the pandemic definitely did favor the NFL in that they were able to play in the time that they were normally playing. And excuse me. And, uh, and I think for people, you know, coming out of and and through this pandemic right now, like that kind of stuff is so important. Like the, any sort of return to normalcy is is very important to people right now and i think football is a great way to do that like it wow this feels like a normal sunday in october like right when you're watching football and the nba doesn't really have that kind of thing to begin with and especially not now that it's completely out of season so i think that's definitely a big part of uh that discrepancy there yeah and 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 selfishly and jacob will get your point like selfishly i love this like i'm I'm telling you like there is like as a number one, a degenerate gambler, you know, with fantasy football, like just <laughs> loving sports. Like, I love it. Like I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like I'm going to watch football all day today. And then at night I'm going to watch game six of the NBA finals. I'll be flipping, you know, like if there's a commercial, I can flip to Seahawks Vikings. If there's a commercial there, I can go to, you know, game one of the, the ALCS is between Tampa Bay and Houston. Like I, this is for me, like as, as a sports junkie, like I'm in heaven, like I'm my remote is constantly flipping. You know, I watched, uh, the Preakness, the, like uh, a weekend or two ago, whenever that was, I was watching, you know, the Stanley Cup. Like, this is, this is fucking awesome. Like, for me, like, I'm in heaven. Like, I fucking love this. I, I don't think the other leagues necessarily love it. But as as a sports fan, I mean, this is this is heaven. No, I mean, just to, um, I think there's a lot going I think you're kind of right there, Steve, that there's so much going on. And you're just seeing, like, the amount of people that want to watch sport in America hasn't really changed and you're just stretching that so thin because to give you some international perspective right here in England it's the Premier League the EPL that's it that's the only like big big sports league here and when they came back from a hiatus during the pandemic they came back finished the season after like three months three and a half months the first day back Manchester City and Arsenal played two big teams and they had the most watched football game in England in three and a half years. <laughs> that's just, just to tell you, on the first day back. So I think that, and it's because there's only the one sport here that's like big. Like obviously, we have rugby, cricket. They're, you know, the big three or whatever. But it's football is like what the NFL is in America is like the NFL plus the MLB is what the Premier League is over here. So when that comes back, everyone watches it and i think what we're just seeing is just there's only a certain amount of millions of people in america that watch sport that number hasn't gone up and with them all happening at the same time it's just getting spread too thin and every sport is kind of feeling this pull because if the nfl is feeling it you know every other sport in america is going to be feeling it exactly exactly and and you know the other thing is brett and i think you kind of touched on it you know, I, I you know it, it, it's the Donald Trump effect as well. I, I mean, you know, good, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you never know what that guy is going to say, and you know whether it's and it's an election season, and, and people are focused. There's just there's a lot, lot, lot going on right now, more so than at any other time from a sports perspective in our history. And it it is what it is. And the people piling on the NBA don't even watch the NBA. Like I said, going back to my original point. The NBA is going to get going to be fine. You know, they're already working on a new TV contract. Like I'm sure in the short term, like there, there's no way about it. Like you said, Brett, and like you said, Jacob, there, 
there's there's nothing else that the NBA can do. They're doing everything that they can. They should be, you know, similar to baseball and the NFL and hockey. You know, the NBA should be applauded. You know, they're they're trying to make this work rather than sitting on their hands and just you know not doing anything. And and I think that we should all. I know we all do us three, but I think everyone should appreciate that in, instead of instead of attacking it. Like I said, the, the NBA is going to be fine. You know, I'm excited to see what happens next year, but they're, they're, they're going to be just fine. A lot of this stuff is just, I, I just think it's all white noise. That That's how I look at it. I don't really, I try not to pay any attention to it. Like I said, the, the, the numbers are, they're a little, they're a little surprising, but I, again, in, in the long term, you know, they're going to be fine, man. It, it, it's going to be just fine. And, and th- I think there's a lot of people that are, are like me, that my remote, man, I'm surprised the batteries haven't gone out on it yet. Cause I'm literally flipping that much, you know, like it, it's, it's awesome. I, I fucking love it. Like I, I, Sundays I didn't leave my couch because of football. Now I really don't have to leave my couch because I got, I got football, baseball and basketball all in one day, like all huge games too. Like this is fucking awesome. Man, I can't remember the last time I flipped the channel. I'm like the exact opposite of you, man. I I turn on my YouTube TV when the, when the NBA game's about to start, it's on that channel. And as soon as that final whistle blows you know i'm i'm uh, the tv goes off and i'm done like i i don't flip at all but i'm you know that's we're we're different different types of fans man I'll, I'll, maybe i'll get into football once that NBA season's <laughs> said, over, you know, just, just so everybody knows let's see, let's see. say he said it off air um last week he says man what this nfl red zone steve what's this about man i, I might have to get you did, <laughs> that, you did it did sound it did sound cool man it's it sounds like a cool I'm, idea i'm it's watching it right now man i got there's four names right now on my television four we'll see how bored i get when the nba season's <laughs> over man we still, we still got the draft the draft and the off season to talk about and next season we can do a whole episode speculating about what they're going to do next season but like you said steve i'm really looking forward to that it's going to be a challenge but i think they'll they'll meet it uh, as best they can and and look man the, the losses the revenue losses and the ratings declines i just see them as inevitable and i'm glad you brought up the election um year because that's another huge yeah, factor it, so you've got you've got all the all the major sports happening at once plus an election year during a pandemic like it, it's it's just a perfect storm and i think they just need to weather it and i think they have been so far so it's, it's a lot to unpack though for sure they'll, they'll be fine and you know that's that's uh that's kind of gonna do it for us man i mean i guess you know brett i'll see you in a couple hours you know you and i are gonna jump back on here um kind of you know yes get jiggy with this game here. We're going to hopefully, like I said, hopefully we get a game seven because there's nothing like game sevens in sports. I love it. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Jacob, I, you got to work tomorrow. Well, we all got to work tomorrow, but I mean, it's going to be, I'll shoot you a text, Jacob. Brett and I will text you, let you know who won. We'll let you know if Jimmy went off. And if, if, if Jimmy goes off, Brett, before we leave, if Jimmy goes off tonight and Miami wins, will Jimmy Butler crack your top 10 or will, will he be close? Like a 10.5 maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'll, I'll say this: if if Miami somehow wins this title, he's a no brainer uh, top ten. Yes! I'll say that. Yeah, he's, he's no brainer. That's that, you know, that's, he wins. that's no question. He, yeah, no, that's that's not. If he wins this, if they if they somehow win this title, man, that for sure he'll be in my top ten. If he has another massive game like he's had the last few tonight, who knows? Maybe that'll do it. I'm gonna, I'll release a new top 20 in a week or so, and we'll see where he's I at. I fucking love it. This I is re- everybody. Yeah. Stay tuned for tomorrow. You want to listen to tonight and tomorrow, and Brett will let us know if Jimmy Butler has cracked his top 10. That is called a radio <laughs> Shout out to my hero, Ryan Russillo. <laughs> All right, guys, everybody. Again, please um, subscribe, like, uh, review. We really appreciate everyone um, 
for listening and keep spreading the word. Overstated MBA group. I think, um, you know, there's a rumor going around. I think in the next week or two, um, you know, we're going to get started with the the overstated NFL group and uh, probably have uh, some podcasts or two coming out then. But, uh, you know, that's just, that's just what the rumors are. We'll uh, we'll see if they come true or not. So for uh, for myself, for, for Jacob and Brett, uh, peace out, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.